so thankful for all that God has done for us today. And as we gather together in His Word, I just want to point you to John chapter 15. Because in His Word today, we are encouraged uh, greatly by the promises of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I need to sometimes go back to those places and be reminded that the Lord is good, uh, that He is worthy to be praised, that it is good to be in the house of the Lord. And some of those simple things need to be recounted again and again. And you know, I know the devil is always seeking whom he may devour, but we serve a God who is much greater. And even better than that, we serve... Uh, and we, we uh, uh, approach life not from seeking victory, but from a place of victory. And so I'm just so thankful for all that Jesus has done for us. And you, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, give a good hearty amen. 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 Isn't it good to know that you're a child of God? I'm a child of the King. I'm so glad we could sing a song like that to know that He cares about everything in our life and, and we can find peace there. Well, throughout the Bible, if you go from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to find that the central theme is that person, Jesus Christ. God desires for us to uh, come to the Word of God today and find and, and just see interwoven into that theme all the magnificence of who He is. And these truths about God can truly bring comfort to our heart and, and can encourage us whenever we're down. And it can uh, really give us a vision for what may lie ahead. And so when we come to John chapter 15, we see that truly we have learned so much about Christ and the promises that He would have for His disciples in this moment when they're about to face one of the most difficult times in all their life. And, and we have seen Him remind them, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are not our many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And so Jesus begins to prepare them for this coming time, this time when they would be separated from Jesus Christ for a period. But later he reminds them, listen, there is something coming. There is someone coming. He is the paraclete. He is the comforter. He is the Holy Spirit. And throughout the scripture, we see that, uh, that God demonstrates his eternality. We see he demonstrates his omnipotence, his omniscience. We see his love shine through uh, throughout the pages of scripture. But there's also the fact that He is a triune God. And I'm thankful that God uh, has revealed Himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. And we're thankful uh, for the fact that we serve Him today. And in Scripture, we see each played a significant role all the way back from the creation even into our lives today, how that each has an integral part as, they, uh, as the Lord works in our life. And so we are so thankful for all that God is all that He has done and what He continues to do. If you go back to the Old Testament, you'll see that the work, uh, God's work in the Old Testament maybe looks different than it does sometimes in the New Testament. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, very often, it is uh, the, the Holy Spirit, as we talk about Him today, uh, plays a significant role in the Old Testament as He would oftentimes come into the lives of people for a temporary time where He would help them, empower them for a certain season or for a certain special purpose. One example of this is the man Samson. Now, as a judge, God empowered him from his youth with an incredible physical strength. And he would come in and, and serve as judge for the children of Israel, and he would uh, protect them and provide for them against uh, the Philistines who were constantly oppressing them. We remember reading stories of Samson of how that with his magnificent strength he slew a lion. 
with his own bare hands. Later, we would read in his life how that he would pick up the gates of a city, remove them from the doorpost, and carry them uh, for miles onto uh, the top of a hill. And then even later, we would read uh, of the story of him slaying 1,000 Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. These were not just mere human acts, but they were the empowering of God's Spirit upon his life. But they were temporary. Matter of fact, when Delilah cut his hair, we read that the Spirit of God left him. In Judges chapter 16 and verse 20, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't have a clue. This is, I tell you, in my mind, I go back to Judges 16, 20, and I also, in my Bible I have just a little note written in the, sad, in the side margin there. What a sad testimony. He didn't know the Lord had departed. But, you know, this is just one example of many in the Old Testament of how the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of those Old Testament believers. But Jesus in the New Testament now, He promises something different. And I'm thankful for this promise that the Lord offers today because it's not just a temporary filling, but God talks about this permanent indwelling for the believer. And I'm thankful that we have his, the Spirit of God that indwells permanently in every single believer's life. Listen, I, it's not about me getting more or you getting more. It's about us being completely yielded to see the power of God working in our life today. We receive all of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. He comes and indwells our life. But as we yield our lives to Him, we see that power of God working more magnificently in people's lives than uh, than uh, before they were in rebellion. And so we see this beautifully, uh, beautifully illustrated here in John chapter 15 and verses 26 and 27. Now, here in this passage, I remind you a little bit of our background. Jesus was gathered with the remaining 11 disciples the, the night before his own death. Jesus knew that they were going to be uh, filled with dread and sorrow and fear. And, and so they had heard the words of Christ's prophecy of what would come, the betrayal first. And they knew that, uh, that he would be crucified, he would be murdered that, uh, uh, the next day. And so as they watched them, I, I can't help but make this, uh, this similarity then between as we watch someone we love uh, slowly ebb away in life. They were grieving the loss of their Lord before it ever happened. So they were already in turmoil. And so Christ spent this time bringing uh, this, the, the disciples along and helping to grow their faith and helping to love them and encourage them through this time. And, and through this, He did remind them that, listen, I loved you even through this. We saw that in John chapter 13 as He bent and washed their feet. We saw that He promised them that His presence and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see that more in depth today. But despite all of this, we knew that, that even though they knew that, that uh, Christ said, listen, you're going to deny me, they were convinced that they would die for him. They were convinced of their own bravado. Man, maybe similar to a man on a battlefield, you know, uh, that they, could, they would face death there. But Matthew 26, 33, we read these words where Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. We see, read these words, and even the disciples in Matthew 26, verse 35, goes on and said, uh, Peter said, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. They all agreed. Listen, Jesus, we're going to die for you. We're going to go to the very ends of our life for you. But you see, because their fear was great, the reality would be that just a few hours later they would abandon him. Even in this moment where they gather at the Garden of Gethsemane in just a, a few hours as Jesus Christ prays, they, they would fall asleep instead of just spending an hour with Him in prayer. 
So as a result, the Lord spent this final night just encouraging them and reminding them of their purpose and bringing comfort to their heart. And in this night, Jesus would reassure them and he would remind them of his promises of the present, uh, of the coming of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in these promises, these disciples are reminded of God's love, his mercy, and his rejuvenation. And I don't know about you, but there's times where I need the words that Christ has here for us. The disciples could not have faced the things that were ahead of them without the Lord. They couldn't, they couldn't live the Christian life without uh, God's help and strength along the way. And in the same way, we can't face the Christian life today without God's Spirit, without His help, without His strength to help us day by day. I, I'm so reminded every single day that I need Him more every day. This this morning as we met together for prayer in the office, I, I, just, I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, we need You. We need You every day. We need You in this moment, in this hour, because we cannot manufacture the things of God. Well, listen, these disciples, they couldn't manufacture the things of God either. They needed the Lord, and we do here today. And so as we see here, Christ encourages these disciples in this moment. If you remember last week, we looked at just this passage right before this preceding, where it talked about these hearts of hate that were just so desired to destroy the disciples' lives. But through the Spirit of God, we see them overcome, and we see them be victors through Jesus Christ. Well, I want to remind you of just a few promises that Jesus made that would be fulfilled. In John chapter 14, he made this promise that he would return and take his own to be with him in heaven. Isn't that a wonderful promise? I think as a believer, as I look forward to this, I look forward to it with confidence in the eternal life that Christ has given me because of his own resurrection. And so Paul described it like this. He says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this old flesh and bones, if it were to be dissolved, we have a building of God and house not, uh, not made with hands eternal in the heavens. What a wonderful promise. There was the promise that the source of power would enable the believers to do the work, that God would come uh, the, to do the work of God, and this would all come from the Spirit of God. In Acts 1.8, he says, But after that, after you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. He says, listen, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and you're going to have the strength, the power, the ability to preach and proclaim the message of truth today. Well, listen, that's the same power we need in the church today. It's the same uh, filling, it's the same spirit, the same thing that we need today, active and alive in our lives individually and collectively here at Hillside Baptist Church. Because the reality is the Christian life is impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, he said, listen, we don't even know how to pray without His help. But he's there. His indwelling spirit, Christ promised, would abide with us forever. In John chapter 14 and verse 17, if you turn back just a page in your Bible, you'll find even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. It's the same Spirit that confirms that believers uh, have a relationship with God. It's the same Spirit that helps us uh, in our prayer life. It's the same Spirit that abides with a believer, that indwells your life. And I'm telling you, we need to rest in Him today. The Bible says in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Listen, in Him we have a legacy of peace, of joy, of love, 
and it's the precious fruit of the of uh, the spirit that comes upon a believer's life. And if you're missing something there today, let me just tell you. And there's one of two things happening. One, you're living in rebellion to God, and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Or secondly, you are uh, walk not walking in the spirit, but you're walking in the flesh. So there's one thing that God leaves the church, and that's His Spirit. And it's His Spirit to empower us to evangelize the world. And and I think about how intimidating it is sometimes to share the gospel, but I'm reminded that it is His Spirit that goes with us. And Jesus, even as He gave the Great Commission, reminded us, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Appreciate so much and so thankful for the missionary lives and families that have sacrificed their life and said, listen, we're going to give up all the the comforts of home. We're going to go to a foreign land or we're going to go uh, outside of our comfort zone and we're going to minister to a people who are not like us and we're going to sacrifice in this life knowing that, one, the Lord is with us. Secondly, we can do it because the Spirit of God resides within us and we're trusting God for the promise of the fruit that will come as a result of our, our willingness to obey. And we come all the way down then to John chapter 15 and verse 26. It says, listen, all of these things, all of these things that you've seen in the Old Testament, all of these things that I've shared with you about what's to come. And he says in verse number 26, some important things for us to see that we can be empowered in our witness to be able to go into all the world. In verse 26, read there with me. But when the Comforter is come... Remember, we talked about the Comforter before in in chapter 14 when we were there, and that is the Holy Spirit of God, the paraclete. He says, But when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Let's stop and pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful uh, passage, this encouragement, Lord, that Jesus Christ gives to a group of fearful disciples. And probably, if we're honest, there are times where we are fearful of sharing the gospel. We're fearful of what others may think. And so, God, may you fill us with a holy boldness and a desire to to be obedient unto you. So, God, help us today, we pray, through Jesus' name and through the power of the Spirit, in Christ's name, amen. So look here, it is the, I remind you, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers the Christian to, uh, to share and evangelize the lost world. That's what he did. He didn't give us an assignment and say, well, listen, I'm not going to give you the tools or you can't do it. I don't know about you, but if I've ever had a job uh, where uh, somebody said, well, listen, I want you to build this brick wall, and they didn't give me any tools. I didn't have uh, a, a brick hammer. I didn't have uh, any mortar. I didn't have, uh, I don't, I've never built a brick wall that's of any substance. So yeah, I didn't even have this saw to cut the bricks with. I don't have anything to do, be able to do this. I'm looking for Brother Vandiver. I pray for them today. But, uh, but uh, he was a mason and he uh, built brick walls, beautiful brickwork. Listen, I couldn't do it. If you want me to build a brick wall, you don't, you're calling the wrong guy. I built a brick wall and it looked like somebody was waving at you as you went down the road. It was pretty bad. I didn't have the right tools. But this is what God does. He gives us an assignment. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel into every creature. He gives us an assignment, and then He gives us the tools. And I want you to see that God desires for us not just to preach the gospel, but He gives us what we need to be able to be empowered to do so. And so if you ever feel intimidated by sharing the gospel, I want to remind you of some truths here that regarding our witness that, uh, that uh, Christ points to here in these two verses. So first off, we see a witness to the world. Remember who we're witnessing to. 
I can't help but be reminded that there is a lost world in need of a Savior. I can't help but be reminded, but my neighbors and, and, and the co-workers that we've had and, and, and different people around us that we interact with, these people are in need of a witness of Jesus Christ. In the passages surrounding these two verses, we find before and after in chapter 16 and before in chapter 15 that Jesus Christ was warning them of some hostility that they would face. People are not always going to celebrate with you when you share them the good news. We call it the gospel. It's the good news, and it is good news. Amen, church? I think about how wonderful it is to know that though I was a sinner, my God who created me sent His only begotten Son who is my Savior, and when I put my faith in Him, I have a home that's eternal in the heavens. That's great news. I'm no longer bound to hell. I've no longer got a destiny uh, with the devil, but instead I've got a home that's secure in heaven and that can never be taken away. Man, what a glorious thing to be able to preach about. But not everybody thinks that. You know, for, for the disciples' sake, Jesus warns them and said, listen, there's not going to be everyone that is all happy with what you have to say. Matter of fact, many Christians today proclaim they would gladly die for Christ. I, I, I'm grateful for that. Many Christians, uh, there's probably more Christians today that would be able to say, listen, I would take a bullet for Jesus. If somebody walked up to me and, and said, do you believe in Jesus? I would gladly say, I would, uh, I would take the bullet and proclaim Christ. And that's great. But so there's a new brand of Christianity that has come, to, come out that is changing this just a little bit. Matter of fact, one Christian named Ethan Werner told a reporter that, and I quote, I would do anything for my faith just as long as I can remain, retain my credibility with the world. You know what he's saying? He said, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian as long as it doesn't offend anybody else. Yeah, that's not the brand of Christianity that Jesus said. He said, listen, he said, I want you to be bold in your faith. I want you to witness, but I want you to be able to tell the world of the truth that they're a sinner. No one wants to hear that, but here's the remedy is that Jesus Christ came for them. And listen, the, the, many Christians today are fearful of what other people say, but Ethan Werner, like Ethan Werner is, but Paul the Apostle said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, listen, I will gladly make sure that my whole world knows that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that was the brand of Christianity that turned the world upside down. It was the brand of Christianity that took uh, this, this pagan lost world and said, listen, what in the world's going on? There's, there's people that are preaching this gospel, and it is changing things around us. There were silversmiths that had to close up shop because they wouldn't, uh, couldn't sell the goddess Diana anymore. They were angry. They ran the, uh, the apostles into prison because of their, their business that was disrupted. In years past, we saw where revivals would shut down bars and, and different places. But unfortunately, today, Christians find themselves at the bar, not the, to witness but to drink. Listen, today, we often want to be bold in our faith. We'll put our sticker on our car, we wear the necklace, but are we willing to speak? You see, because God's called us to be a witness to the world. In a postmodern age, an age of relativism, an age of ambiguity, I'm so thankful that we have the clear gospel of Jesus. He says in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Man, what greater clear 
clearer commandment can we have than this is the purpose, the vision of every Christian, of every church, that this is our purpose today to continue to tell the world that Jesus is the the Savior. But even more than that, we have a a Savior who stands there in verse number 18 and says, All power is given unto me. And then he says this, I am with you always. Why are we afraid? Why are we fearful? This message may be met with hostility. Maybe some people will will slam a door in your face. Maybe some people will walk away, get hostile with you, unfriend you on Facebook, heaven forbid. Write a poor comment on on your line. Oh my goodness, that's the end of it, isn't it, folks? But listen, here's the reality. God's called us to put on the whole armor of God. He said, listen, take up that shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He said, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying with all prayer and supplication. He said, listen, don't quit. Don't give up because someone says a hurtful comment. As a matter of fact, he says in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said, for unto me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that I may speak that therein... I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know what he said? Don't pray for me as I'm in prison. He said, pray for me that I might have boldness. He said, listen, don't pray for me that I, that I might uh, get healed from this infirmity in my flesh. God's given me peace about that. Instead, what I want today is that God would open my mouth and that I might speak boldly the mysteries of the gospel. You see, church, that's our calling today. That's still our purpose. And, and there's times where, where we, we uh, need to be encouraged and strengthened by God's presence. But more than that, as we do the work and the will of God, that, His presence is with us all along the way. Listen, if believers are to effectively confront the world system, we can't be a part of it. James warns believers, he says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. John said this in 1 John 2, 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, the problem is why John Bingham doesn't witness oftentimes is because I'm fearful of man. I want to be accepted of those instead of worrying about whether or not I'm pleasing to my God. I appreciate the message this morning in Sunday school by Brother Ebert as he preached on Hebrews chapter 11, and growing our faith. What a blessing to be reminded that our faith is pleasing to God. We walk by faith and not by sight. When we say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to witness. I'm going to share this gospel track. I'm going to be willing to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. What a difference it makes in someone's eternality. Luke eleven twenty three, Jesus declared very boldly, He that is not with me, is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. You know, I I know that sometimes we're fearful, but may we be reminded that God's presence goes with us. We're never abandoned. You know, it may be that there are times, and I think about our our brethren that are in China and Vietnam and North Korea, and these these pockets of Christianity that are scattered through the world in Muslim countries, and I think about the persecution and the things that they face. And let me just say, we've got it easy here. Let us be willing to say, God, I'm not only just willing to take a bullet for the gospel, but God, I'm willing to face uh, embarrassment. I'm willing to face anything it may be to proclaim the gospel. It's not that we're trying to be antagonists or hateful, 
But the Bible says, as a matter of fact, as we go about, I love 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26. This was Pastor Tolbert's life verse here. And if you saw his Bible, you'd see it imprinted on the front. Open it up, you'd find it highlighted there. And he says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, serving, uh, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. You see what God says, listen, let us be teachers, let us be proclaimers of this great truth in this world. Peter echoes these words in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that lieth within you. Listen, are you ready to share? Are you ready to proclaim? Are you ready to say, God, let me be a witness to my world? But let me just remind you, there's also the same witness that, that the Father made of Christ. Look in John chapter 15, there in verse number 26. He says, But when the comforters come, who will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, uh, twice he mentions that, he shall testify of me. And so we see that this witness is from the Father. Now there's four different ways we see that the Father witnesses to us of his Son, Jesus Christ. And first off, we see this through the Scriptures. Throughout the Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is the central theme. And as a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2, he says, God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. And so we see here that the Scriptures speak of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Eternal One. In John chapter 5 and verse 39, Jesus testified this, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of who, church? Christ. That's right. You see, the Word of God is a testimony of Jesus Christ. And so may we be willing to be people of the Word, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman rightly dividing the Word of truth, needed not to be ashamed. And so we're in the Word, we're people of the Word and proclaiming the Word. But also we see the divine works of Jesus. So the, the Bible says that the, the, the Bible speaks of Jesus Christ, but also the very works of Christ also proclaim His, uh, his deity. In John chapter 5, once again, Jesus told his adversaries in verse 30, uh, 36, But I have a greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father sent me. He said, look at my works. Look what I've done. When, the, when John the Baptist was doubting in prison and he was struggling in the, those final moments of his life, he says, are you really the one? Are you the Messiah? Are, the one, are you the one we're trusting in? You know what he said? Look at the works. See what Jesus has done. If you say, well, pastor, you, you don't understand. This is, how can we trust the Bible? When you're asking that question, you haven't been reading it. See, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Go back to the Gospels, read the book of John all over again and say, Lord, help me to see what the wonderful things that you've done. John takes and, and he really pushes seven great uh, 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 miracles that Jesus has done for the point of illustrating the deity of Christ. We can trust him because of what he's done. The words that he did testified, these uh, spoke of the validity of his claims, but these works, I tell you, they affirmed all that he had said. 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, Peter was the same thing. He said, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you. You know what he was saying? He says, listen, watch the works. See what Jesus has done. But also there's some direct statements that the Father made as well. The Father spoke directly concerning the validity of Christ. And we can trust in Him. We can rest in Him. Think about it. At His baptism, when Jesus was baptized, there was a voice heard from heaven. It said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Later, during the transfiguration, we hear the voice of the eternal heavenly Father as well as is giving witness of Jesus' deity. Peter later would write this in 2 Peter 1. He says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. You know what he's saying? He says, I was there. I saw these things. And in verse 17, For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, and when we were with him in the holy mount. You know what Peter said? He said, we heard the very voice of God speaking of Jesus Christ. Listen, God's spoken. He said, this is my son. This is the one that we can trust in. But also, he leaves us his spirit of truth. And this is what Jesus references to here in verse number 26. He said, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from who? The Father. The Father testifies of His Son by sending us His Holy Spirit. In 1 John 5, 6, He says this, This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, uh, because the Spirit is truth. In our life, the Lord sends us His Holy Spirit to remind us who Jesus is, to, to put that little note and maybe even to, to knock on your door and say, let me just say what that preacher's saying is true. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. He didn't become God along the way. He has always been God. There are some religions out there that will say, well, listen, just as Jesus became a God, you too can. But the truth is, is that Jesus was always God. That's what made Him unique. You see, he couldn't be born of a man, but he was, he was born of a virgin. He, his father was the heavenly father. And, and we are re reminded that if he was born of a man, that he would have that sin nature. He couldn't be God, no more than I could be God, because I have a sin nature. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 and verse 32 that the apostles also declared this truth to the Sanhedrin. He says, and we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey Him. See, preacher, you don't understand. I can't witness to the world. That's right, I can't either. But what I know is that He's given me His Spirit. What I know is that I can open my mouth boldly, not because of John, but because of Him. Not because of what I've done, but because of what He is doing in me and through me. And when my life is yielded to Him, it's an incredible thing to watch as God says, listen, I can use your life broken and shattered as it may be. Listen, I can use your testimony. I can use uh, uh, just your words to lead others to the Lord. I tell you, if you've never shared the gospel with someone, it is one of the most exhilarating things of all your life. Uh, yesterday, I took the boys out, and we had a little bit of fun, and uh, did some writing, and, and as, we, as we were out, man, we were just exhilarated. We just still were talking about some of the things we got to experience, and, and as we did so, I, 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 just, I was just so reminded that, listen, that holds nothing on the moment when you get to lead someone to Christ. It's incredible. 
But let's talk about what we witness. Because our witness is to the world. It's from the Father, but it's a witness about the, the Son. Aren't you thankful for Jesus Christ today? I tell you, I'm so thankful for Him. Every time I, I wake up, I say, Lord, thank you uh, just for the opportunity to be able to serve you today. Well, there are some mornings I'm like, oh, it's morning again. But that's another story. But the reality is God gives us this ability to witness about His precious Son. And there's nothing greater in all my, all my life than to talk about Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit's primary ministry to the lost world is to testify about Jesus. The central message of the church and, and of Christians is not political action. It's not social reform. The message is Jesus Christ. That's what our, the, the central theme of all that we do are. Even, even Peter said in Acts 2, 32, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. He says, listen, this is what we are. We're witnesses of Jesus. And so Paul wrote later to the Corinthian believers. He says, listen, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, that's my whole life. Paul wasn't saying, I'm ignorant. What he was saying was, my life's central theme is Jesus. He says, I don't care about what's going on in the Colosseum. I don't care what gladiator has the best statistics. Amen. This is what I care about. The Lord Jesus Christ and making sure the world knows. You see, in a similar way, the Apostle John was consumed with preaching and witnessing about Christ. And Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9, we're going to preach on this uh, tonight. And, and as a result, we see that even here, as a result of his preaching, he was exiled to Pasmus. Revelation 1, 9 says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know what he said? Listen, I am in prison. I have, I've been exiled just for proclaiming the truth of Jesus. See, despite the clear biblical emphasis of being a witnesses of Jesus, sometimes we can kind of get in this, this thought, well, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will come along. I'll pray for those missionaries. I'll support them. But, and, and we'll let them do that. But the reality is people need more than food and water. People need more than uh, dietary needs in their life. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be the only Christian in their life. You see, we're still in need today for people to boldly speak the mysteries of the gospel. To share the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus to a lost world and to help them and to continue to do so until the day of the Lord arrives. You see, because the reality is, preaching of the cross and of Jesus Christ is still the power of God for salvation. Look in 1 Corinthians, we're going to read several verses there if you'd like to look there in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Why do we still assemble? Why do we still come together? Because the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that, are, that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Amen. Isn't that good? We still see people saved in church. We still see people turning their hearts over to the Lord. In verse 19 it says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 
For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see what he was saying? Listen, it's time not to decrease preaching, but to increase preaching in your personal walk, in my personal walk, that God would make us mouthpieces and instruments where we caruso or proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. May we be preachers. May we be proclaimers of Christ. You see, the biblical call reminds us that we witness about the eternal Son of God through the preaching. That's our personal personal walk. That's from this platform that we continue to make the central message Jesus Christ. Because the reality is there are 7 billion people. More, almost, We're coming close to 7.5 billion people in this world. Can you contemplate that? We have increased dramatically the population of this world, but Christianity is not kept up. You see, matter of fact, if you were to look at the percentages all across the world, we would see that Christianity is not growing as fast as the population, which means there are more people being born today than there are people being saved. And so God is calling us and saying, listen, it's time to continue to proclaim. We have the ability to reach the world. His name is the Holy Spirit. He indwells within you, and He empowers us. And that's what He says in verse number 27, "...and ye also shall bear witness." And the, and the apostles, they did that. They didn't have all the fancy gadgets and gizmos. All they had was the witness and the Holy Spirit. There was a story from the last century of a pastor. He was going by a department store in his large Midwestern town. And, and he had done business in this department store over and over again. And, but just that day, the Lord impressed upon him, you need to go in and talk to the owner here. And so he went inside and he asked to speak with the owner. And he sat down with him at his desk and and he, said, and he just sat down and says, listen, I've talked beds with you. I've talked carpets and I've bought book, bookcases with you, but I've never talked about my business with you. Do you have a moment where I can share that with you? And so in the man's office, he began to just open his New Testament and be able to share with him the plan of salvation. And with tears in his eyes, the owner of that, of that shop trusted the Lord of Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he said this to the man. He said, I'm 70 years old. I was born in this city, more than 100 ministers, more than 500 church officers uh, I have known over the years. I've done business with them. We've interacted. But in all of these years, he said, you are the only man to speak to me about my soul. You see, every person we meet has a soul. Every individual we, we meet and interact with will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. That's the, that's the simple truth. And God says, there's hope that lies within you that God's called us to share with the world. You may sometimes feel intimidated. You may think, I can't do this. But I remind you of what indwells you. His name is the Holy Spirit. It's, that, it's uh, uh, God, uh, the, the Spirit of God that indwells your life. He empowers you. And Christ said, I am with you. We have this promise of God. We don't have to be ashamed. God told the prophet Ezekiel that if he failed not, not to warn the people of God of, of the coming judgment, there would be blood on his hands. But if he warned them, he was free from any guilt and he, uh, if they refused to respond. You see, I can't always uh, dictate how people will respond when I share the gospel. All I can dictate is, God, I will obey. God, I will, I will share the gospel. 